The theme for this message is the joy of the Lord is my strength. And uh, to be honest, when I was first sort of given that, I thought, oh, (laughs) Um, we got to do upbeat songs and all that kind of thing and bounce around and be jolly. And uh, I I'd searched on sort of YouTube about the joy of the Lord and thought, oh, what are the songs? And I listened to one, you may know it, by Ren Collective, you know, joy, 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 down in my heart. And, and, and nothing against Ren Collective, but I kind of thought, stir it up, chaps, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I wondered, I wondered. So Jill has said where this phrase comes from, because it's quite famous, isn't it? The joy of the Lord is my strength. And I thought we must come from the Psalms or somewhere, but no, it comes from Nehemiah and Habakkuk, which is a bit of a strange place to find a phrase like this. So I'm just going to talk a little bit through Nehemiah and Habakkuk. I'm going to give me 15 minutes, something like that, just to try and put the picture. So Nehemiah, it's about 445 BC. God's people have failed miserably to fulfill the calling as a people of God to walk with him and be a blessing to all the nations of the world. The kingdom's been divided, Israel to the north, Judah to the south, and God's people were exiled from the land that they'd been promised. Jerusalem had been destroyed by the Babylonians, who themselves had then been toppled by the Medes and Persians. All of this was part of God's judgment, both on his people and on Babylon. But a remnant of God's people have returned from exile. And now under Ezra, the scribe, and Nehemiah, the master builder, they began to build the old city of Jerusalem. Nehemiah was overseeing the building work. Sort of, a bit like Pete. Pete Wood. And Ezra, the priest, scribe, was focusing on two things. Worship and word. The worship of God and getting back to the word of God. So I'm going to read a bit from Nehemiah chapter 8, which is where this joy of the Lord is your strength comes from. Don't look it up in your Bibles because I've used, I've used the right version, but I've taken bits out. I'm trying to reduce the story down to something we can listen to. So the walls of Jerusalem have just been rebuilt and they're gathering together. And it says this. All the people assembled. They asked Ezra, the scribe, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. Ezra brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included the men and the women and all the children old enough to understand. He faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon and read aloud to everyone who could understand. All the people listened Closely to the book of the law. Then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people chanted, Amen, Amen, as they lifted their hands. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, they're the priests, then instructed the people in the law, while everyone remained in their places clearly explaining the meaning of what had been read, helping people understand each passage. And the people wept as they listened to the words of the Lord. 
Nehemiah, Ezra, and the Levites said to them, Don't mourn or weep on such a day as this, for the day is a sacred day before the Lord your God. And Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who've had nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites too quieted the people, telling them, Hush, don't weep, for this is a sacred day. So the people went away to eat and drink at a festive meal, to share gifts of food, and to celebrate with great joy, because they'd heard God's words and understood them. What was going on? I want to put it in a different scenario. Because sometimes, and I know a couple who've done this, people who've been married renew their marriage vows for whatever reason. Maybe because they'd fallen out and they needed to, or they just wanted to, or whatever. In fact, if you Google it, you'll find there's lots of opportunities on the internet, and most of them are selling a holiday in Mauritius, if I'm honest. Um, But hey, there you go. But I know such a couple, Christians, and he had a fling. And it bust everything, as you can imagine. And he was bitterly, he bitterly regretted it. And they sought help. After much pain, many tears, and much patience, they restored their relationship and then renewed their vows. The reason I tell that story is because I think that's what's happening here. So this remnant of Israel, they come to rebuild a ruined city. They'd listened attentively to the promises that God had made, words of covenant and promise. God, their husband, spoke to them, Israel, the bride, hundreds of years before. And as they heard, they wept. And I think They're weeping, oh, how we've broken those promises. But imagine, let your mind wander, just imagine God standing at this event and saying, this is a sacred day. Feast. (laughs) Enjoy this day. It's sacred. He's there in his wedding suit. He's looking at this bride that's come again and wanting to rebuild something that's broken because she's messed up and gone after other gods, sought other husbands. But God is there looking, seeing the regret. He sees the tears. He hears the confessions and he turns to this bride and says, you know, I've not changed. You know, I haven't broken the promises. I've not been unfaithful to you. I delight in you. The joy is mine. That our relationship can be restored. That the pain, the tears, the patience has its reward for me, your God, 
Let that joy, my joy, be your strength. It doesn't say, let joy in the Lord be your strength. It says, let the joy of the Lord be your strength. So let's go to Habakkuk now. This is 150 years before Nehemiah. This time the Babylon Empire was gaining strength and it destroyed the previous power of the Assyrians. God's people again, it was a time when they'd been unfaithful and God had told Habakkuk, the prophet, that judgment was coming. And Habakkuk, in effect, fell on his knees and pleaded, saying, God, no! (laughs) And it's a lovely book because it's this kind of conversation of Habakkuk pleading with God, saying, please, no, don't do that, don't do that, that would be awful for us. God's saying, I've got to do it. And then chapter 3 is a song. Because at the end of chapter 3, it says in the message version, for congregational use with a full orchestra. Amazing. And it ends like this. Habakkuk. I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms... And no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle bars are em- barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Joyful in the God of his salvation. Some people actually say that this passage is like someone in old age. (laughs) Sort of, no more blossom, no more grapes, feeling like an empty vine. (laughs) Interesting, isn't it? And I think, as we get older, there's truth in that. I'm not saying that's why it was written like that, but I think there's truth in it. That actually... Our joy comes from who God is and his amazing care and love for us and the fact he's done so much for us and that he's a reconciling God. That's the joy. And it's so easy to think joy in other things, isn't it? And it's cheap. (laughs) This joy is strength. Because it's bigger than us. So I'm going to read a few little New Testament passages, short ones, just to give a perspective on this. Jesus said, There'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 upright people who don't need to. There's joy in heaven every time God can turn to this bride, this broken one, this just-as-I-am person, and say, yes, I delight in you. Come, let's have a relationship. Paul also says this, What is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes? What is that? 
Is it not you? Indeed, you're our glory and joy. Because Paul's heart was for others. And when he saw the people he was discipling going on with God, it gave him such joy. And Peter said, even though you don't see Jesus now, yet believing in him, you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. It's the most precious, wonderful, awesome, gracious gift any of us could ever receive. Salvation of our souls. And God bringing that salvation through Jesus to all of us gives him exceeding joy. Jesus also said in the parable of the servants to whom he gave resources, the talents. And some of them used them and doubled them. If you remember, one doubled from two to four, another from five to ten, I think it was. He said to them, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Twice he said that. So there's another thing that really gives the Lord joy. It's when we walk with him, use the gifts he gives us, and bring fruitfulness. By this my Father is glorified, said Jesus, that you may bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. There you go. It's been a delight to walk with people in preparing this service and to see God's faithfulness. And the clarion sound that I've heard in it all is, God has been faithful. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? God has been faithful. And I don't think, I haven't asked them, but I guess if you ask them, have you always been faithful? They may not all say yes. (laughs) I certainly couldn't. But God is faithful. If we want to know real joy, it's his joy in seeing the result of his labor. Because for the joy that was set before him, he could see something. For the joy set before him, He endured the cross, despising the shame. And it was to bear fruit in you and me. Isn't that staggering? (coughs) So, God help us, like those in the times of Nehemiah and Habakkuk, to hear God's word and understand it. May the joy of the Lord be our strength. And I pray God, I'm praying this for me, because I was knocked off my pedestal when I read this. I just thought, oh man, I just did not think it was anything like that. (laughs) I pray God would open our eyes to what gives him delight. That maybe we would be more 
willing to lay down our lives out of sheer love and thanks for him rather than duty. (laughs) Out of sheer adoration that Jesus laid down everything for us. He's taken away our sin. And that we can come just as we are. In fact, we must come just as we are. So that he can embrace us. Reclothe us. Restore us into a relationship with him. Hallelujah. God do it, I say. God do it. That's all I want to say. I suppose I'd want to ask, what have you heard today? I'm not asking you to shout it out. We did that earlier. What have you heard today? What can you give thanks for today? What can you glory in today? How can you go home and feast at this sacred day (laughs) at the way God is so good to you?